Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by UNA, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest here on the Sourcing Hero podcast is Jeff Davis. Jeff is the owner of Bridgestone Holdings, a real estate and property management company with a focus on multifamily apartments, 952 doors and counting. Jeff also has experience in global supply chain management, inflation-related disruptions, and changes in consumer demand. So, hi, Jeff. Thank you so much for being with me here on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So I shared a little bit about the different kinds of work that you do, the door count. You can tell me if that's still accurate. But what else should people know about your professional journey to this point? Yes. So um, the door count is not accurate. I think we've, we have we are fast approaching 2,000 doors. We've oh, my quite a gosh. Few wow. Yeah. We just closed on a uh, on a large acquisition in Dallas, and uh, so yeah, we're we are moving very quickly. It's uh, quite fun. Uh, in terms of my journey, I started as a data entry clerk in, uh, in an import role for a large logistics company, and just got interested in real estate around 2015, um, buying rentals and uh, flipping houses and kind of parlayed that into um, getting involved in multifamily syndications and did about seven transactions last year. And we're on pace to to probably double that this year. That's amazing. Well, knowing that you have a background in supply chain and that you often seek out working with supply chain professionals in other capacities, I'm curious as to what you think is unique about how supply chain professionals approach business challenges and decisions? Um, what I think is unique is we see things before they happen, right? Especially when it comes to global um, aspects. Uh, you know, past three years have been a, a unique foresight into that. Um, we we're looking at, say, shipping costs that escalated from $2,500 a container into the Gulf Coast out of China into to $30,000. And, and we're now facing inflation and people are surprised. And from a commercial real estate and, and overall material planning perspective, um, it just created these bottlenecks, not just in pricing, yeah, but planning. How do you forecast a project, building project, or or any kind of project from a budget or a timing perspective when you cannot lock down people or items in a in a normal fashion? And so, it's interesting from a supply chain perspective because. You kind of have some insight as to what's going on all over the spectrum. 
You know, it's interesting. You you talk about supply chain professionals, at least good ones, let's say, seeing things off in the distance before they actually take place. That sort of gives you maximum options around around how to respond. But you also brought up the global issue. So we're not only planning through time, we're also thinking far beyond what we can see locally, even beyond the first steps of suppliers, the first step towards distribution towards our customer, and in some cases looking globally. So is it fair to say that one of the things that supply chain professionals can do extremely well is sort of think macro and micro at the same time, whether it's around uh, a duration perspective or whether it's around geography? Is that one of the things that we have to be good at to be effective in this profession um, that has a way of working itself into the way we think? Um, I, I, to your point, the seasoned professionals should, you know, and they should seek uh, other seasoned professionals. And, and maybe if you're working on a specific region, what are other regions doing? Um, I can tell you right now, from a macro perspective, there's a shift from Asia Pacific to Southeast Asia. So from a macro perspective, what does that mean? What does that mean from a timing perspective and lead times from suppliers? Uh, how robust is that manufacturing process? Uh, so, you know, it's a long-winded answer to, yeah, definitely. Supply chain people see things from macro and then they bring it into, uh, to the local perspective and, and then they kind of dial things in to help their company, their organization. And, um, then they are bringing all that information from an economic perspective to make the best decisions. Now, we're obviously generalizing today, right? There are all different kinds of supply chain leaders and thinkers, but but there are still some common traits. And, and so we've talked about some of that within supply chain. How would you say that some of these observations we've made around supply chain leadership and supply chain managers compare to how other C-level executives view the world, whether it's a CEO, a CFO, uh, chief IT officer, how would you say that that perspective differs? Hmm. Um, I'm going to say, you know, they're, they're probably a resource for CEOs for C-suite. Um, C-suite is trying to take everything, uh, that their leaders within the organization are, are gathering. They're good data points. Um, that's one of the things I look to C-suite executives to do is, is understand dynamics in every facet of a business, whether it's from a tax perspective, from my, uh, my chief, my accounting side, from the legal perspective, uh, and then, you know, your, your IT perspective and then supply chain sourcing materials. So a CEO is getting the best of the best in each function of business and making forward-thinking decisions. So definitely from supply chain, they're, they're a fantastic resource for them to make global decisions and forward-thinking decisions. 
And everybody always wants to know what the CEO's thinking, right? What yeah. keeps the CEO up at night? What is the CEO thinking about? How does the CEO hear what I'm talking about? Is it is it the way that I intend? So I'm curious to know from your experience, do you think most CEOs are are optimists? You know, glasses half full, um, or are they glasses half empty? I don't necessarily want to call that a pessimist, but let's call it realist. Um, what would you say that their typical outlook on the world is? Um, so different types of CEOs, of course. Um, but the CEOs have to be optimists and they also have to be realist. And if you look at right now what is happening, the CEOs are being very real there's, there's layoffs happening because they are making real-time decisions with their, their forecast in the next two to three quarters. But that does not mean that they see that it is going to be a very long landscape of, of financial downturn. Uh, for instance, the LTL carriers, they are making sweeping investments for what they foresee is going to happen in the next three to four quarters. They're, they're making acquisitions on warehouse space and within their networks to prepare for a rebound by Q4 and Q1 of 2024. So CEOs are real. They, are, they make decisions based on what they see right in front of them and for what they forecast in, in the mid to long term. That's interesting. So, I mean, obviously you pointed out there's lots of different kinds of CEOs, but it's it's interesting to think of it almost as a, a weather vane. You know, when your CEO is is pointed towards optimism, that tells you a little something about how they're seeing the market and the opportunity in the near to medium term. Uh, when they start to point towards realism, you know, and that that weather vane swings, you're you're getting a sign. Um, how does this impact the way that they engage with other C-level executives. So the, the top one that comes to mind is the CFO. I'm assuming the CFO has to be sort of pointed toward realist all the time. You sort of can't allow that, at least not emotional optimism. You can certainly look at business opportunity. How do we make use of working capital? Where do we invest? You, you want to have a growth mindset, but maybe not quite the full optimism, rosy glass look that CEOs would have under the right conditions. What does that mean for the the working relationship that CEOs and, and CFOs have? I love that question. Um, I I've also I've always made the joke of the trajectory of a company based on who the CEO or what the CEO's mindset is gonna be, right? I'm a I'm a business development guy. And so if the CEO has a BD background, then the trajectory and the investments of that organization are probably going to be commercially driven. And then sometimes that CEO moves aside and the CEO has a accounting or a finance background or CFO background. And you will see a shift and that organization will not be growth because they're not going to invest in commercial or the commercial is going to report to uh, the CFO. 
and they're just not going to be they typically won't have that much of a growth mindset uh, because for you know they, they kind of sometimes will trip over dollars to to make pennies so <laughs> um, that I, I on the other hand I think that the CEO's best friend can be the CFO I mean because I'm BD I'll always say well yeah. I'm gonna bet on myself and I'm I'm sure that this makes sense uh, but you know, my wife being a, a fantastic kind of check on our, on our situation. She can be very mindful on what we're spending and where, you know? So, uh, to me, the perfect combination is a business development minded CEO with a strong CFO. Mm. I don't know if that answered the question, but that's my, that's kind of my take on. Yeah, no, I think it does. And it it actually makes me think, so I'm, I'm listening to your description and I'm sort of thinking about, okay, so the CEO needs to have an outlook, right? That becomes the vision and the mission of the company. You have to be able to read the market, hopefully accurately. You have to have a healthy relationship with risk. Uh, You have to have, let's say a, a healthy, but somewhat tense relationship with the CFO or probably the right decisions aren't being, aren't being eked out of that partnership. What happens? You know, you talked earlier about right now CEOs are being very real because either in their own organizations or in others, they're seeing layoffs. There's concern about downturn. There's concern about recession, regardless of how long it lasts. What happens when that CEO makes a decision and it's wrong? Because we're also seeing executive level turnover in some fairly high visibility companies. What happens certainly to the CEO, but also to that organization when he or she makes the wrong call? It's tough, right? I mean, it is accountability at the highest level. I mean, that's a part of being at the at the top is you're making decisions and... Um, that is the direction that the entire organization is going to go. And so if it's not the right direction, then the entire organization has, has is, or, or has taken uh, a financial hit. And so there's a, you know, for a publicly traded company, there are uh, shareholders to answer to and a board of directors. Yeah. Talk about accountability. Right? right. I mean, you, as much as it's empowering to be the one making the decisions, you certainly don't want to be the one in those shoes when the decisions turn out to be wrong. Um, that, that has to be an incredibly weighty moment for any executive. Oh yeah. I mean, we are seeing it right now and, um, you know, put, put it on the other side. If, if you are the, uh, head of a small business of six yes. employees, and you make a wrong decision. Well, that affects six households, um, and and potentially your own. So it's it 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 is the same situation of business at all levels, even for a personal household. Mm. You know, that's why they call it betting the farm. That's right. And there's no golden parachute in that case, right? If there you're running no a small golden. to medium sized parachute, there's no parachute of any color. That that is correct. <laughs> you know, and so you almost uh, and you actually I do 
you know, when there's no golden parachute, how much sympathy do you have, you know, for, for the larger CEOs? Yeah. Now, Jeff, this has been really interesting. So I'm, I'm going to be looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this next question. This is sort of a tradition we have here on The Sourcing Hero, and, and every guest goes through this. So I'm going to give you two questions, and it's entirely up to you which one you answer. And I should tell you also, there is no wrong answer. We've heard literally every response to this. Well, I always think we've heard every response, and then every single response is, is yet again different. So there's there's plenty of opportunity for new thoughts here. But here are your two choices. Either what does the idea of a sourcing hero mean to you? Or what does heroism look like in a business context? Um, heroism. I will take that one. Heroism is, is swimming upstream uh, and, and not doing the norm. And you're seeing that less and less nowadays, and I won't go into specifics, but there is just a uh, tremendous amount of, of walking and lockstep with everybody else. And and you can kind of get swept up in the moment. And we saw that over the past two years, and, and, and it actually affected pricing, and it affected uh, even small businesses with the costs of everything. And um, heroism would be... I'm going to do things the right way and I'm going to take care of my customers. I'm going to, you know, pay my suppliers on time. And if everybody is stretching out terms, it could be anything that even though 95% of the rest of the market is not doing that. So just standing up for the right values. Uh, and, And sometimes that's, hard to do in the face of, um, what, what everybody else is doing. No, I agree with you. And that's an, it's an interesting point of view given our larger conversation today, because it it does kind of come back to that individual view, but factoring into that, your perspective on risk, because on the one hand, it may look safer to stay with the pack, but if the pack is all headed off a cliff, then you go from looking like a crazy person for not sticking with the pack to all of a sudden being the only guy still around. Um, And so I I do think, you know, in many cases, the conventional wisdom is safe, but there's risk in safety as well. Um, And so I, I appreciate your thoughts on that. I am not disappointed, Jeff. Once again, a completely different point of view in response to those questions. (laughs) So if people have listened in today and like I have found your perspective interesting, would like to connect with you, would like to learn more. What are some ways for them to get in touch or to connect? Yeah. So there's a very simple way to get in touch. Um, and, and as you mentioned, we, we are a private equity firm. We specialize in multifamily. We've even got new land development. Um, but just go to multifamilyadvice.com. Uh, we've got a new supply chain podcast coming out to be, uh, named soon, right, Kelly? Um, (laughs) but if you just go to multifamilyadvice.com there, we have an awesome, uh, ebook that you can download for free that gives you all the information on, uh, all the reasons we like it, 
tax benefits, cash flow, and everything, and uh, a little bit of, of information and, and a weekly blog that that I have, and um, we can even have a quick phone call. And, and like I said, if you want to jump on a, a and be a guest on on my upcoming podcast, I'd be thrilled. Um, so that's the easiest way. And it's just quick, drop your name and email and, and we'll be in touch. That is great, Jeff. And yes, I would be thrilled to be on your podcast. So you and I will connect about that. Um, and of course, thank you so much for being with me today. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero Podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for The Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.